everyone. This is JJ Outlaw. Hi, this is T Outlaw. And we are back with a new episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. You can, for now, <laughs> find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. You can check me out on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. And if you are on Spotable, which is that brilliant alternative to Twitter, again, we'll talk about that in a moment. That's credit to, credit by rather, Christopher Boozy. Shout out to you. Um, you can also find me at JJ Outlaw. Every episode, I'm here with my co-host, that dude, the head dude in charge, the big cheese, which is funny because he hates cheese. <laughs> T Outlaw, how's it going? It's just going well. I do eat cheese. <laughs> Some. <laughs> well, I mean, you like cheese, but you don't love cheese like I love cheese. No, I don't love cheese like you do, but I do eat some cheese with things. Uh, you can find me, T Outlaw, on Sticky Fingers Twitter at T Outlaw. That's T O U T L A W. That's my handle. And on Instagram at T Outlaw, Josie Wells. All right. I apologize. I'm hoping I can take this out of post, but if not, there's a very loud and squeaky cat that's joining us. Our um executive doggy producer Braxton, who by the way has been getting a lot of love on Instagram. <laughs> so to all of you who are new to us from his now viral reels on Instagram again, hi, welcome. <laughs> but I have to say he's being negligent on his duty right now. He's supposed to keep the wild animals away and he's just sort of looking at us. Yeah, he's sleep. Yes, which if those of you follow us on the reels know that he's really good at the sleeping part. He's a champion sleeper. Dude, what? Okay, Jelly Bean was quiet all morning long. All morning. Didn't hear Pete. Second we start recording, he's just like, I'm going to scream as loud as I can. For what? He wants his producer credit. You will not get it. Hey, he wants that. He wants that check. Of, <laughs> I don't know, of a treat, I guess. You, you're just gonna have to work for it. Like Braxton will at least pose for pictures. Jelly Bean will have nothing to do with us. He's just there to like steal our food and intimidate the dog, and sleep and snore loudly in the office while you're working. Yeah, he's part of the night crew. Yeah, Big Daddy and I we work separate um, times during the day, so the day crew is comprised of myself and Braxton. And Braxton now knows he's the boss. In fact, <laughs> one of the cool things that happened this week, and we'll go over it later, was Braxton was even featured in a social media campaign by my day job because uh, it was Take Your Dog to Work Day. And so we decided to do a doggy takeover. And it was hilarious because they're like, of course Braxton's going to be a part of it, right? Because he goes to every meeting. <laughs> I'll be like giving a presentation and his head will pick up on my shoulder. So yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. However, I am on the, I guess, technically the evening crew and my producer kind of just walks in when he wants to, picks his moments, goes under tables, chairs, goes in the closets and decides to rearrange things. But 90% of the time, I don't know he's there until, like, I get up to leave. 
But every once in a while, he picks his moments when, of all things, the cat snores. Very loudly. Yes. Like, they have full-time jobs, our pets snore. It's hilarious, except for Bit-Bit. I don't actually think Bit-Bit snore. I, I'm, I'm hoping I can take that out in post. But if not, I assure you we're not beating him. He's just decided to be vocal. He's like Diddy wanting to jump on the track. Yes. <laughs> You know, that's the kitty version of what do you say? Hit that, hit that. Yeah, there's no, you know, there is no Suge Knight death row cats in this house. <laughs> so anyway, the reason why I said I, for now, am on Twitter is as we speak, Twitter is kind of going through a meltdown. This weekend, we're recording on a Sunday. And depending on who you believe... Um, he claims it's because there's data scraping that's taking place on Twitter, whatever the hell that means. Other people are saying it's because he didn't pay his bill. <laughs> so Google is like limiting, but access to bandwidth. But depending on the reason why, I don't know if you noticed, but there's like a limitation on how many tweets you can read. So. He put it out that, yeah, you can only read up to 600 tweets if you are unverified and didn't pay, you know, that that tax to be verified or whatever the hell he calls it now. If you are verified and paid that monthly fee, you can read up to 6,000. And I know you're thinking 600 or 6,000, that's a lot of tweets. But what people don't understand is if you scroll, that counts as a read. Right. Yeah. And so I'm trying to conserve them because, in, again, in my day job, I um, work in social media. So I'm on Twitter all the time. So I imagine it would probably be really easy for me in a day or in a couple days, at least, to hit that 600 limit. And yeah, I can log in through my jobs account, but I'll be honest, oftentimes I like to look through my account. That way, you know, no one's bats an eye if in between making sure that our posts hit properly or just check to make sure that people are responding in an appropriate way to like our pride posts, for example, which I'm, you know, and I don't want to go there. Uh, <laughs> that whole thing was ridiculous. The whole idea that the act of doing something as benign as saying happy pride could be seen as controversial. Oh, well, we're at Happy Pride Month, even though now we're into AAPI Month. So I guess we can say right now, Happy AAPI Month. Yes. But for all of you who celebrate Happy Pride last month, I hope you guys had a wonderful and safe and glorious time. And, you know, I wanted to go to Chicago Pride this year, but it was raining and I couldn't make it. But yeah, to all of to all of us who support and either are members of the LBGTQ family or see themselves as allies. Um, and again, it's not up to you to call yourself an ally. <laughs> the marginalized community has to see you that way. But who support the idea that love is love. I hope you guys had a really great pride. Um, and we deserve it. You all deserve it, rather, because of the fact that yeah, the Supreme Court is like shit right now with the stuff they allow. <laughs> Are we going to talk about that? Because there's like so much bull that happened since we've been last on the mic. 
And I know this is the time for us to talk about how our week is. And I know that we've been jumping around topics lately. So we can skip that if you want. I mean, if you have concerns or like things you want to get off your chest, you can. I've just reached a point where my confidence in the judicial system, especially with the higher court, is is waning. I'm sorry. I mean, I believe in the truth and justice part, but pretty much every week, you okay, let's just stop what we're doing right now and just say it right now. For all you people out there who, well, who thought that, like, you know, it's just work as usual. No, this has been in the works for a few years now since, you know, the previous administration, and you should have all known what's coming. So we all have to prepare and clench our teeth for what is about to come down. Mm. Well, and if you don't know what we're talking about, it's because there have been some rulings out since we've last been on the mic, actually within the last couple of days. Whether it's, oh gosh, okay, I hate, I we may stop because now Jelly Bean is between my legs and then Captain Save a Dog, Save a Ho, Fraxton, our executive producer, it's now staring him down. So we may also have a fight in the middle of recording. Now you want to regulate? Really? You could have done that beforehand before they destroyed my, my leggings, but no. No, you want to wait until now. Anyway. This is our life. But anyway, there have been some rulings that have came out. One in regards to affirmative action and higher education, which higher education admissions where I actually used to work in higher education admissions and I know a little bit about it. And first of all, okay, okay how do I put this? It upsets me because there have been some programs that I personally have been a, had a hand in starting in order to increase representation of historically marginalized communities and black and brown communities in the field of psychology, for example. And I am very disappointed because this ruling will eliminate my hard work that I put in at this one particular university that I used to be employed in, um, which I hope they can continue, but now they can't. I'm also frustrated because you may have heard this, the whole idea of legacy admissions that was not shot down. And if you know anything about legacy admissions, a lot of the schools that was named in this particular lawsuit did not use race as a factor, but they allowed for legacy admissions, which in some cases take up to 40% of admission slots. So I'm sorry, homeboy, you probably still are not going to be admitted to the programs that you sued about. But now you just help solidify that those admissions are okay, even though in many cases, the kids are not qualified to be in school. It's just that their daddy made enough money that they can just donate and put their name on a building. And it's very disappointing. And again, coming from a place of working in admissions where I've met some absolutely brilliant black and brown students who did not have because of lack of resources. And a lot of times the institutions they went to did not have um, good counselors that are there who let them know, hey, you may want to apply for this program before 
the end of like December, because not only will that get you admission into the program, but you're up for scholarships. Many of these students, if not, I would say 90% of them, because they were not advised of how these programs went, oftentimes would pursue graduate degree programs and then want to get and deserve based on who they are and their accomplishments and their grades to get funding. But they didn't get funding because it was all delegated out because funding for clinical psychology programs are very different than funding at a research-based doctorate program for psychology. And yeah, it just knowing the personal fight that I had to go through and my role as an admissions counselor and going and speaking to the, to the people who run the program and just say, hey, can you look at this candidate? They deserve it. And I would hear the same thing. Well, why didn't they apply at the same time? Why didn't they do this? Well, because they're not told to. There, There is a lot of privilege that comes with certain institutions where students go to that have access to that and have people that guide you through that whole process. And then students who a lot of times may be first-generation college students or maybe go to institutions that don't have the same type of resources and these programs to advise them for that. And time and time again, I've had to see students go through the process, really fight to get into the program that they deserve to, but they're not given the same grace because, I'm sorry, they didn't go to a wealthy, um, primarily white institution or institution that has like his ties to these programs and things like that. It it was really heartbreaking for me to go through that. And Big Daddy can tell you time and time again, I would come home and just be frustrated about that. Yeah, she was deeply frustrated by, you know, these students who did everything they could to play the game. And apparently the game keeps, Lucy keeps moving the football. That's the best way I can say it. Right. I mean, it's just horrifying to think that, you know, for everything that we do, we still have to jump through a few more hurdles, but I mean, I guess that's part of the game. It's and, just keeping your mind open. And the whole idea about, oh, and Big Daddy and I, we come from the generation where affirmative action was really a big part of our lives and things like that. And I have been in many situations where someone is like, you're only here because of affirmative action, not because of the fact that I really worked my ass off and I had really good grades. But let's suppose, for example, if they what they said is true, right? So I got my foot in the door because of that. It's not like I take separate classes. It's not like they have like a darky track. No, nah, I took the same classes as you and aced them and got on the dean's list. <laughs> so now what do you have to say? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, so I even that logic, that logic is ridiculous, right? I don't want to get into a lot of conversation about one of the members of the court who apparently felt great shame because someone said that about him. Don't and do it. I'm not going to say it, but that's the reason why that individual may have voted against this. I just, again, having worked in the industry, having met other people and understanding how it works, I'm just deeply saddened by the idea that this will have long-ranging consequences they don't even know, especially when you consider that the majority of people who do benefit from affirmative action 
was never black and brown students. It was white women. So surprise, you're going to get something very surprising to you too. (laughs) It's not just hurting us. I'm just saying. So let's move on because the other thing was, again, going back to it just coming out of Pride Month and the situation where the lady who was, uh, she was a web designer, right? And she was like, you know, I may want to do like wedding, wedding design websites, but I don't want to deal with those icky gay people. So she brought up a lawsuit. <laughs> and the whole thing, oh my God. So remember I told you that one of the people in that lawsuit, as it turns out, he never asked her. There was no gay person that asked her to build the law, build the website. That never happened. They came up with a hypothetical in order to push that through. The person that's mentioned in the lawsuit, he's not even gay. He's a straight man who's married to a woman and has a child, right? (laughs) So not only that, but do you know what he does for a living? I just found this out and I just wanted to punch air. What was that? He's a web designer. Oh. So he wouldn't have gone to her anyway. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) the Supreme Court ruled like, Oh, you don't have to deal with those icky gay people if you don't want to. Nah, it's free speech. <laughs> Call it a religious background. It's free speech. <laughs> so that's the result. Now they ruled against it, and it's going to lead down a path of being able to discriminate against members of the LBGTQIA community, which is very, very enraging for me, especially since it's based on a lie that never even happened. And no offense, lady, (laughs) as opposed to when Big Daddy and I got married eons ago, there are literally sites that you can go and build your own wedding website, and it takes like two seconds. They don't need you. (laughs) And your basic design, it's not like we're getting something handcrafted by Basquiat. It's your basic butt. (laughs) So (laughs) the idea that this whole precedence is set on a lie and now it's going to affect millions of people. It's just kind of sad. But anyway, I'm sorry. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I guess I did. So how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, kid. This is the outlaw again. <laughs> now that I turned off many people. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So how was my week? <laughs> uh, for the most part, my week was barely uneventful. I mean, there's a lot going on with, you know, the weather, because that's what every conversation starts with. And also, you know, we're coming up on Independence Day for, you know, the United States of America, uh, July 4th. So, you know, I've been working on trying to work on my, I, I don't have a grill, like at least outdoors at this moment, but that's okay because the weather at this moment is currently raining. So I have just been doing a lot of like, you know, working on like cooking ribs, uh, on the indoor, cause I have like a little indoor smoker. Uh, my father in law gave me a shack grill. I've been playing with that. You're not cooking ribs on the shack grill. No, I'm not cooking the ribs on a shack grill. I, no. I have, it, it, it just don't work like that. No, no. Okay, I just want to make sure people knew that. Right. Now, that would come across a little crazy. We kind of stick to, like, you know, the 
you know, the kind of George Foreman-esque like things like, you know, burgers and steaks and uh, pork chops and things of that nature for the Shack Grill. But, you know, we're always working on updates. So, like I said, it is close to July 4th. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, trying to get into the, you know, Independence Day spirit. Um, I was waiting for Will Smith to come through, but, you know, he's a little busy right now. But I was uh, messing around, and apparently there was a, I think it was a Good Morning America uh, segment, slight. Uh, I, it was either there or Inside Edition. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but there was a... <laughs> There was a story about a Michelin, I'm sorry, a chef whose restaurant is Michelin Chef. Uh, it has two Michelin stars. Yes, it reached Michelin status. Thank you. Uh, brother's name is uh, David Chang. And David took to the airwaves and did a podcast interview. And he said, you know, kids, you know, that tradition of you going outside with your your barbecue with the, you know, the hot dogs, the chicken wings and the drums and whatnot, the turkey, you know, the corn, ribs, you know, that's cool and all. But, you know, that burger that you had, that, you know, that staple that you put out there on the grill, you know, it's not a good idea to be cooking that burger outside on the grill. It's probably better to... Take that inside, you know, take it to your skillet, you know, so it doesn't build up on different, you know, carcinogens like, you know, like at the point in which the burger is out on the grill and when that, you know, the fat and the juices that come from the burger drip down to the charcoal or gas uh, flame, there comes this flame up. That you know emanates and it makes the burger unhealthy and it cooks it faster and burns it, chars as you will. And you know that's just not a good idea. Can this I, is David Chang's approach. Actually, can I add on to that? Sure. Because I think some of that was the person who was doing the segment. Okay. Because David Chang's actually goes further that. It's not so much the carcinogens. I think that, again, the second contributor, he actually is against it because he believes that a grilled burger just doesn't taste good. And according to tastingtable.com, which is a really great site if you guys haven't used it, by the way, they have like a lot of unique things that are available. It was also reported and other things like the Guardian and the Telegraph, a lot of British things picked it up. Mm -hmm. And when you and I talked about that, the production meeting, and he said, instead of dealing with the hassle of the briquettes and the smokes that follows you in there, he insists that it's better to cook the burgers on a frying pan within your kitchen. And he claims that what we thought was the smoky flavor that comes with grilling directly on a grill he said that that's not really happening, and it's the nostalgia of smelling from the smoke of, like, the barbecue briquettes and things like that. He actually goes to say that if it was really the smoky flavor that we seem to think it's taking place, you would actually have to have the burgers on the grill for 
a minimum of 12 hours to impart that. And he goes on to say that it's just the carbonized crap that's on the outside of the burger that makes you believe that you'll get a juicier burger, a better tasting burger, if you cook it inside. And again, I know that Big Daddy was in his feelings when he read this. And David Ching even said this was a controversial take. Yes, yes, he did. He knew what was coming. So let me just say it for to responses taken. You know what's coming. What's wrong with the nostalgia? What's wrong with going outside, slapping these burgers, however you constructed them, as long as, long as you, well, constructed them well? What's wrong with putting a little charmer burger? I love a good char burger. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't want you to bring me like, you know, something that's crispy as the briquette is falling up on. But I and a lot of other men and women tend to enjoy taking that burger outside, putting it, slapping it on the grill, letting the juices <laughs> fall off and letting, you know, getting that smoky flavor that you cannot replicate inside. And I take complete offense to this because if I'm going to get in my feelings, I know there are people that like to grill. There are people that like to barbecue. I like to do all those things, but I really like to take my ribs, my chicken. As the goober will attest to, I like to smoke things, like to take the woods. That's really my thing now is to take the different notes of wood and take that outside and sometimes inside and smoke things to get that hard smoky flavor because it's just different and for someone to say oh no you know that's not you know you're not gonna get the the pro you know like a really good flavor i mean i get the fact that yes i also grew up with a mama who used to make mama burgers and you know from like me and Amy Murphy that we came together and you know you know when we were little kids you know we wanted that burger from McDonald's we wanted that hamburger that came straight from McDonald's like you know with the what was it two all beef patties special sauce less cheese whatever um but you know as you grow up then yeah you start to really miss that mama burger that you know mama pulled out that big old ball of of meat, threw it on the uh, the skillet, and then, like, you know, pressed it down. I get it. I like mama burgers very much, though, as, especially as a grown-up. And now that my mother is no longer with us, and, you know, I very much miss my mama's mama burgers. That being said, the nostalgia of the grilled burger, the outside burger, especially for, you know, amateurs and professional grillers alike, it's the fun of being able to manage how to like work that burger to get that good, juicy, intense flavor with that, you know, Burger King-esque, you know, flame grilled taste to it. That is what my contention is. Yeah, it's part of the grilling and the mastery of the burger, along with the nostalgia. And for you to want to take that away because your pristine thinking is that you're going to get a burger from the inside. You're just wasting all of our time, you know, running that game. It's it's sincerely uh, out. I'm sorry. What's going on? No, no, no. <laughs> One, I just want to make sure you're okay because 
you know, I don't want you to like get your blood pressure up over D- David's take. But also, I do want to point out something. Yes. This is not David's only like controversial take on burgers. Apparently, he has a long standing issue of problems with how people make burgers. So, for example, and this is, comes from The Independent, which is a UK publication. Um, Ching has previously shared his opinions on burgers that have landed his, him in trouble. In 2015, he actually provoked the ires of Australians when he wrote in his blog, Lucky Peach, you know who fucks up burgers more than anyone else in the world? Australians. Australians have no idea what a burger is. He goes on to say they put a fried egg on their burger. They put canned beetroot on the burger, like a wedge of it. I'm not joking. This is how they eat their burgers. He also has a problem with Wagyu beef that comes for, as you know, cattle that is bred in Japan is highly prized for his Marvel fat content. Okay. So he doesn't like Wagyu beef burgers at all. And his quote-unquote burger manifesto that he published previously, Chang wrote that it was the dumbest burger in the world to use Wagyu. He said it's like 70% fat content. That's disgusting. Would you eat a ground bacon burger? Yes. That's what, as soon as I read that, I was like, I know the answer. <laughs> Would you eat a ground bacon burger? That's what you're doing with a Wagyu burger. Or the idiots who have Kobe beef Wagyu sliders with the trio mustard on their menu. That drives me insane. So apparently, he has long had a problem with burgers. Now, David Chang, again, if you don't know him, he is the founder and creator of the very popular Momofoku chain, which is not exactly known for their burgers, at least the original Momofoku. Um, so I would take what he says with a grain of salt. Although, to be fair, I'm not sure if I would use a canned beetroot on a burger, but then again, that's me. I'm not fond of beet. But that said, <laughs> he knows... Okay, I'm not sure how... Sorry, Braxton is laying on my toe and it's falling asleep. <laughs> 80 pounds of puppy on your foot. Um, where was I going with this? I'm not sh- sure if you should take what he said as the gospel. Cause it sounds like he has a history of like needling people and being, you know, the bad boy, so to speak, in this category. Okay. Cause the thing about David Chain, I don't know if you know. Is he's also really known for being um extra? Yeah. By his own admission. And he wrote his memoir, Eat a Peach, when I'm angry, I seethe with such an intensity that I can't simply be emotional. It's like I'm an animal registering danger. And Hannah Sellinger, who was an award-winning journalist, actually verified this for Eater in an essay that she wrote some time ago. Where she says, in all my years of restaurant work, I've never seen anything like the rolling, red-faced, screaming, pulsing, wrath-filled man that is David Chang. So, to be fair, David is known for being extra. And he knows he's known for provoking people. So, do you think he's really being serious with his take on don't grill a burger? Or do you think this is just him, you know, doing what he can because he knows it'll get attention? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that he has opinions and when and everyone you have the you like you are the master of your own domain. 
you can do whatever you want with your food. You know, if you like your food, like with no salt or sugar or whatnot, with your food, that's on you. You know, just don't bring it to me. Now, that being said, like when you poke the bear, you know, you got to know that there's going to be some swinging going on. Sometimes the bear swings back. Now, like I said, I'm not going, I'm like, you know, I can't speak for the Australians and what they put on the bird. I've seen people that have put, you know, shrimp on the burgers. You know, I have seen people that have put pineapples. That's fine. I mean, the goober can attest she's had like a, a burger from Kuma's that had the fried egg on it. Uh, and I like believe she enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not maintenancing everything that you put on your burger or inside your burger. You know, some people like it, some people don't. That being said, I would like to believe that, you know, when you show the audacity of saying that we're doing it wrong, no, no. It's just, if you like your burger inside and that's what you do exclusively, that's on you. But when you poo-poo on the people that do it outside on their grills, that's when you start, you know, you took it a little too far from me (laughs) and I have to respond. Well, look. And seen. <laughs> I think there's too many people who grill their burger that will probably not follow suit on Ching's suggestion. I mean, fuck, what would Bobby Flay do? Because, you know, Bobby Flay puts everything out on his grill. So if he listened to that, he would just be out of business. So let's let's just take a moment and just hope that whatever David is serving for the holiday weekend that is tasty, but just know his burgers did not touch a flame <laughs> flame room, which is sort of sad. <laughs> yeah, David Chang seems like the type of person that would probably like give me like an indoor Nutria <laughs> burger. Not Nutria! <laughs> uh, you know what? We're not going to go into what Nutria is. Google is your friend. <laughs> And don't be horrified that I brought that to the mic, but yes. I did. <laughs> oh, I remember when they renamed Nutria. <laughs> that was that was funny. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> so anyway, Goober, <laughs> now that I have, you know, gotten all my feelings out, so how was your week? Well, other than what I said earlier, and I'm sorry I took up your time, you know, it wasn't all bad. Like Okay, those of you who are regular listeners, you know <laughs> that I am a huge fan of Marvel. And since I've been last on the mic, the new show, um, Marvel Secret Invasion, has come out. We're two episodes in. It is really, really, really good. Um, the end of the second episode got me turnt. I was, <laughs> I sat there with my mouth open for like 10 minutes after the show was over. And Big Daddy came over to me and was like, are you okay? Because I was just sitting there stunned holding the mic or the, you know, the remote control, rather. Because <laughs> I was not expecting that indie. Not at all. <laughs> no, it's it's really good so far. And the whole premise, if you're not familiar with it, it's too complicated for me to go here um, for time. But it's based on a comic book storyline that is very, very popular and somewhat controversial among Marvel fans. In a nutshell, the idea is that 
there's these group of characters called the scrolls who are shape-shifting characters and who have very quietly over the past um what, four or five years or whatever have found their way into um the earth in terms of the population so the idea from the comic books and i read the comic books that this is based on years and years and years ago um but the idea was that the squirrels were really bad guys and that some of the people that they were impersonating were people that you know like superheroes like captain america and you know all this time they were really squirrels and it bases itself on this premise, although very wisely, I think, as opposed to a normal Marvel franchise where they have, like, the superpowered people be part of the storyline. It focuses on Samuel L. Jackson's portrayal of Nick Fury and Nick Fury dealing with this infiltration. And it kind of talks about from the point of view of how he interacted with the scrolls and he had built relationships with them over the decades. His involvement with their infiltration of Earth. And it also talks, I think, brilliantly about what happened to him after he disappeared at the end of Infinity World slash Endgame. It's very well acted. It has some incredible people in it. Olivia Coleman, who I'm a huge fan of after seeing her performance in Tom Hiddleston's The Night Manager, um, Emilio Clark. They have the return of Don Cheadle's Rhodey, <laughs> Martin Freeman's um, Emmett Ross is back on it as well. And yeah, it's, it's really well done. And the thing I love so much about the Marvel universe way of storytelling is unlike other attempts to create an interconnected um group of programming that other quote-unquote universes have tried they're not afraid to try different types of content whether it be what would be the equivalent of a courtroom sitcom like she-hulk or something more spy related like the brilliant uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier which has to be one of the most brilliant movies that I have seen in a long time and it's basically a spy movie with superpowered people right um and secret invasion follows that same vein that you see in the Falcon not the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Captain America the Winter Soldier and it's just really well done. And there's a lot of layers to the story. So, for example, there is this scene that's in the second episode where Don Cheadle is having a conversation with Samuel L. Jackson. And on its face, it's a conversation about two individuals who have considerable power at between the two of them within the military and one basically is dismissing the other person, right? And because of rake. But I've read some great articles and it was something that behind the scenes, it's also an allegory about race and power and 
and those of the know the culture can pick up on that at certain conversations segments that takes place in the scene and it's just incredibly layered and very subtle and i am just impressed i'm just impressed i'm also beginning to believe that olivia coleman who plays a certain character in this movie she also plays something similar in the light manager and and she's too good at that and I'm beginning to believe that she really has an element of her personality that maybe enjoys this too much. Cause she also played like a spy type person in the night manager. Mm-hmm. And you ever see someone who's acting and they're just too good at that. And you're just like, you know, I don't want to see you in a dark alley. I really don't. <laughs> she falls in that category. <laughs> I'm sure if I ever meet her, she's a lovely woman. I'd love to have tea with her sometime. But yeah. No, I wouldn't. Wouldn't fuck with her. No. No, no. wouldn't fuck with her. <laughs> I'll be like, take your tea over there. <laughs> I will stay over here. Because <laughs> she's like really too good at playing those type of characters. <laughs> and you're just like, there's a reason you keep getting cats in that. Like, I, I really do think you would probably take off someone's thumb and not think anything of it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, for a alert. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that gave me joy. <laughs> and I just sit in the corner and just eat my cheese sandwich and say, hey, well, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of different elements to uh, watching, you know, Secret Invasion. It's the only thing I can, like, add to this is that it's always interesting to watch Nick Fury who was very good at his spy tech and bad you know badass like you know I'm like you know big rough and tough you know type dude but I don't have any like that I know of like superpowers going up against like supernatural shape-shifting you know really interesting meanings and those who, you know, are just, you know, conflicted, you know, it's like watching those two kind of thing elements kind of, you know, interact is kind of intriguing to me because he's like, yeah, I can get through this. But I'm like, you don't have the assistance of any other, I don't know, super powered person, Avenger, you know, whatever they introduce into MCUs, you know, on this show. And I find that intriguing that. Samuel Jackson is like, you know what? I can handle this. Because he's a badass motherfucker. I'm sure he's a badass with at the he same has time. To but I'm like, you 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 don't have you supposed to be a leader of men <laughs> and you want like like you, you might want to call for backup, homie. But he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna handle this. Um, okay. You do that, you know. I'm just gonna you know, the rest of the world's just gonna sit here and wait for your old, you know, seventy some odd year old self to clean this up which i find very interesting but okay it's like chuck norris like you know taking on like you know um i don't know like darth vader it's just (laughs) that's random it is random but it's like you know when you deal with the supernatural and you're like you're supernatural that's just what they do are they from this world well no they're aliens but they're not supernatural okay Aliens. I'm sorry. What was it? The breakdown of Marvel Universe. Oh, that's right. Aliens. Androids. Aliens, androids, and wizards. Thank you. Yes. 
So he falls into the alien category. Okay. So <laughs> for men of this world who have no overall, like, you know, supernatural or <laughs> like power to deal with wizards, androids, or aliens. Right. It's like, I'm going to handle this with no, you know, I don't have like, you know, a super shield or, you know, like a special suit. I just have one eye and a lot of guns. And I'm going to handle this. Okay. Go get that, home. And any other person, you'd be like, what? But it's Samuel L. Jackson. So you're like, okay, I can pull that off. I believe that. <laughs> Once again, this is the same, you know, <laughs> dude was just like, hey, you know, I control all y'all. I ain't seen a man win a fight in the Avengers, but. He doesn't need to. He's Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Speaking of that, can we? Just to close out this segment, mm. <laughs> which very quickly went off the rails. Can we just say a moment of silence for our Samuel L. Jackson leaving the Amazon Echo program? And if you don't know what that is, Amazon Echo, which is typically known as, we're going to spell out the name because we're in the same room with her, A-L-E-X-A. Okay. So they had this deal with several stars a few years back where you they would license the use of their voice. And as a result, you can ask the star things like trivia questions about them. You can ask for suggestions for dinner. In the case of Samuel L. Jackson, it'll even wish you happy birthday in the best way possible. It swears at you. <laughs> and it was not even him. It was, it started off with him. But then there's one that was Melissa McCarthy. There was one for Shaq. There's a number of them, but those are the three notable ones I I remember. Well, they decided to discontinue the Samuel L. Jackson and other voices. So Sam voice got discontinued first at the end of last month. But then Melissa McCarthy and then the Shaq one, I think, ends at the end of July. Big Daddy especially loved the Samuel L. Jackson one. Um, we had to sing his happy birthday all the time because it, at one point he sings happy birthday, motherfucker, and it ends with calling you an asshole. And I don't know why that gave you joy, but sadly it is no more. So are you okay? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Cause when I tell you that big daddy talked to it all the time, he talked to it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Why should I hear the voice of? The A-L-E-X-A, when I can have Samuel Jackson cuss me out for free. Yes! Well, I guess I paid for it, but at the same time. It was the best $1.99 I ever spent. Right. <laughs> he could ask you his favorite word, and of course it said motherfucker. It was just, and the way that only Samuel L. Jackson could. So sadly, it is no more. So, moment of silence for that. At least you can enjoy him and Secret Invasion. It's going to be in the Marvel's movie that comes out in November. Okay. But yeah, no more cussing you out on your birthday. No. I could do it for free, but it's not the same. No, it just doesn't come out of your mouth as crisply as it came from Sam. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. (laughs) Moment of silence. You know what that means, though? I'm just going to have to meet Samuel L. Jackson and get him to sing Happy Birthday so I can record it. It just like tape, like just videotape it. Like, I need for you to say these words to me. I've already, <laughs> I already have like an exit plan if I should ever like, you know, quit my job. Uh, 
of what I need Sam to do for me if I pay him the right amount of money. I thought it was Diddy. Now it's Sam. That's always been Sam. Diddy was just... You know, <laughs> I don't know if Diddy has the, like, the uh, vocabulary. I think Diddy probably costs more. I'm sure he does. <laughs> Let's face it. It might be easier to pay Sam to do it. <laughs> yeah, Sam would have more fun with it. Diddy would, you know, he would foul it up. But yeah, I would, I, I have an exit plan and I was willing to, you know, put some ducats on it if I could afford it. Uh, have Sam help me out with my, my, uh, my resignation if that was, you know, to ever come. Um, but that being said, yes, not having Sam on the echo is problematic, <laughs> but I will get over it. Well, on that note, we're going to take a moment just to let you gather your thoughts. And then when we come back, we will talk about three stories that cross the intersection of food and pop culture, including, yes, we will talk about the weirdness that is Grimace and his shake. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We will be right back. So if Samuel L. Jackson meets David Chang, what would happen? He probably just wouldn't have a grilled burger. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Loreno. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. Hey everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T. Outlaw. And we are back with three stories that cross the intersection between food and pop culture in a segment we like to call What's Eating Us? And today we are starting our segment with a continuation of a story that we, believe it or not, covered on our show almost one year ago today. <laughs> and that is the ongoing crisis that is surrounding Sriracha. Now, here at the Gourmet Goober podcast, we have talked openly about our love of certain products. And for me, my love extends to all things Sriracha. I love Sriracha. I jokingly tell people I put sriracha on my sriracha. Yes, it, she does. It is my hot sauce of choice. And yes, I do have other hot sauces I love, from Linda's to good old fashioned Frank's Red Hot. But Big Daddy can tell you right now, as I extend my arm out where we're recording, there is a bottle of sriracha near me. <laughs> yeah, there's sriracha in the room. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> what I tell people... I put sriracha on my sriracha. I'm not kidding. We also know that a year ago in California, the makers of sriracha, which is known as Hai Fong Foods, confirmed that they were preparing for a shortage based on a number of factors, including adverse weather conditions and that leading to, leading to what they claim was a subpar chili pepper crop 
that affected not only the production of sriracha, but its other products that they produce, including its very delicious chili garlic sauce as well. If you've ever had the opportunity to be blessed with that on a sandwich, consider yourself happy because that stuff is great. So unfortunately, at the time, we can confirm, according to a spokesman, that there was an unprecedented shortage of the products, and they were still working to resolve the issue, and they had hope for a better fall growing season to eventually eliminate this problem. Well, we're one year in, we're approaching our second year, and according to Food and Wine, it looks as though they are in no place right now to eliminate the shortage, which means in some parts of the country, a single bottle of sriracha is selling for over $30 a bottle. $30 a bottle. $30 a bottle, my friend. Oh, my God. Ooh, that's going to be a problem. Yes. <laughs> so they put out another statement that says, although some production did resume this past fall season, as they anticipated, we continue to have a limited supply, supply rather, that continues to affect our production. And at this time, they have no estimation when the supply will increase. Now, because of that, they have limited where they're selling. So people have reported that you can no longer get sriracha through places like Target.com and Walmart.com. It's only available on third-party sellers. And that's where some people have been paying upwards of $30 or more to get their hands on the beloved sauce. So basically you're telling me it's like a black market for a sriracha. Like there's a guy in the alley who I have <laughs> to have a contact with who has to come and be like, listen, I can get you four bottles. <laughs> exactly. It might be yeah, it might be a Benny, but I can get you four <laughs> bottles. Well, people have taken to being totally desperate in order to get their sriracha fix. In fact, um Francisco Gate magazine has reported that bottles of sriracha have literally disappeared from tables all around um, their area, including from a very popular Filipino fusion restaurant. So can you imagine just like sneaking into a restaurant? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I, I'd like to have that boba tea. And <laughs> just like while you're ordering, have someone scalp all the bottles of sriracha. It's coming to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I haven't gone in a few <laughs> restaurants like Chinese restaurants and I may have absconded or thought about absconding with uh, a few bottles but I, I figured that would not go well. Okay first of all please don't because that would be kind of embarrassing to explain to my mom and dad. Why is Big Daddy in jail? Well he was trying to make off with some sriracha for me. I don't think that would go very well. No, no, it would not. But, <laughs> hey, for the love of my wife and for the love of Sriracha, <laughs> I'm willing to be helpful. Now, interesting enough, maybe I shouldn't admit this on the mic. So I will be as vague as possible. As vague as possible. Okay. But I have found, as of yet, a place that has a good supply of Sriracha. Okay, Which so has resulted with us having two bottles at the house. <laughs> okay. So what I need for you to do is to, to like remove it from your mind because I don't want you to transfer what's in your mind through the waves, the waves 
and have people pick it up. And then there becomes like this big light rush, you know, kind of like the bottled water shortages that there used to be and have like random people that don't look like me running through stores, <laughs> grabbing bottles of sriracha and thus decimating the supply. Yes, I have learned my lesson. Okay. <laughs> bottled water. I can't believe you brought that up. That is so hilarious. They <laughs> don't need to know. I'm not putting it out there. It's not I, I'm not going to tell the story. It's actually one of my favorite stories when I first moved out and what I learned <laughs> living on my own in Florida. And that's all I'm going to say. There's a place you can go if you're out of equipment or supplies. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and it's not in Florida. <laughs> it's not just in Florida. Because during the pandemic where people were like, oh, my gosh, there's no toilet paper. Oh, my God, there's no bottled water. No, we were pretty okay with that. <laughs> mm. But we're going to move on. We're going to move on. Because <laughs> it's not where you think. <laughs> so, anyway, got a question for you. Yes. So, luckily, we have not gone to the, I must pay $30 a bottle for sriracha. But in some areas of the country, it's getting pretty dire. Is there anything out there that if they just said, dude, we're not making this anymore? And what would you hoard and be willing to pay upwards of $30 a bottle? I'm just curious. Because I don't know if Sriracha would be that. I mean, I would. Okay, I would think about it. I'll be honest. If this certain place ran out of it and they're like, this is it. (laughs) I may have to consider my options. (laughs) <laughs> but is there anything because I know you don't feel the same way about sriracha than I do no um, off the top of my brain like I, I can't like immediately shoot something out there like like if, if milk was 30 dollars a bottle no problem um, no because then you would you would drink my milk my alternative milk like you've had almond milk and oat milk and you're fine with it true that is true. I mean, I'm not going for like cocoa milk or, I'm sorry, coconut milk or what was the other one? Soy? Yeah, we, we're we not going to do soy. At least not for me. I, I can't hit that. But I, like I said, there are alternatives there that I could suffice. Uh, originally, I would have said, you know, like Pepsi, Diet Pepsi. But apparently, you know, because of the prices of like shipping things, Like, I've stopped drinking the regular Diet Pepsi and Diet Coke, and I can get it when I get it, but now that I'm drinking the oldie brand, you know, you have to make some adjustments. I guess the only thing I can think about off the top of my head, maybe barbecue sauce? Like, I'm a big fan of, like, because I was told that I can eat, like, uh, ketchup on hot dogs. Okay. All right. Don't make this about me telling you that, okay? Because literally, no, it's, it's a, not it's okay in Chicago. Region. Okay, yeah, thank the you. The entire region has said this. Has <laughs> deemed this as so. Hear that, Gordon Ramsay? No ketchup on hot dogs in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, but my country ass has no problem saying that, yeah, I put barbecue sauce on everything. Yes. But that's the thing. You don't have a barbecue sauce that you're, like, completely loyal to. So are you just saying that, like, if, I don't know, Someone went crazy and banned all the barbecue sauce. 
then you would pay, th- and that's not true either. Because I don't think you paid thirty dollars a bottle for white barbecue sauce, right? Depends. I can turn I can turn white barbecue sauce red. <laughs> then it'd be gross. Yeah, it'd be you know it might be a little less mayonnaise or mustardy, but yeah, um, yeah, I can I can adjust white barbecue Alabama sauce. But yeah, barbecue sauce would be the closest. I mean, when I was, you know, my drinking days, yeah, like if you got me a good bottle of Jack, well, I'd probably pay $30 for that. You know, some, I'd pay like, you know, a decent amount for some Johnny Walker. But like I said, I don't really drink that much anymore. So, and not to excess in any way. But no, uh, I'm probably saying the closest I could think of to this topic will be a solid barbecue sauce and not the runny kind. Oh, the solid kind. <laughs> Do de- dare we delve into what you were talking about with the runny kind or shall we leave that be? Cause I don't know how much we can divulge. Let's just say there is a very popular uh, cook that's on the kitchen <laughs> or no. Yeah. The kitchen on the food network. And we are not fan of his barbecue sauce or his restaurant because <laughs> they were very runny. It was, there was no, I don't know, good barbecue sauce to stick to your ribs. <laughs> yes. And this one couldn't stick. But what did you compare the sauce to? You said it was what? You compared it to the tears of Guy Fieri. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he put the sauce on. On the sandwich that we got. And he's like, this is like the runny tears of Guy Fieri. Yeah, because the homeboy is like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm advertising all these great sauces. Uh, you know, I have all these great, you know, varieties and whatnot. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go check it out. So we went to the place. We checked it out. His sandwich was unseasoned. <laughs> Just the sandwich, which included, you know, that of a of, of, of pig. Was you know okay the flavor of the the meat could have been a little more as you said seasoned but yeah the water the flavor water that he dropped that he called sauces <laughs> no no I stopped right I, I, my like I'm not a person who drops shade easily <laughs> but man I cannot look at this man on TV anymore and not throw shade or side eye like literally. I dropped so much side ad, like, it's basically, a, it's a bus. I'm telling you, he passed more shade than what Black Twitter did to Kiki Palmer's baby daddy the other day. I fully agree with Kiki Palmer's <laughs> baby daddy. Okay, we're not going into that. But okay. at the same time, no, 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 we're no, not going there. No, we're not going there. Okay. I'm not getting, I'm not getting my, my tail kicked today. <laughs> not on mic anyway. You don't want that smoke from me. So anyway, <laughs> for those out there who are looking for sriracha, uh, my understanding is the shortest is particularly um, those areas hardest hit um, west of Mississippi, of the Mississippi. My heart goes out to you. And I'm just letting everyone know that if you get a bottle of sriracha, hold on to that because it might be worth more than Bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> right but at the same time is it entirely possible and i was just thinking this while you're um expounding upon it 
like since it's been like a year into the shortage, mm-hmm. do you think that not so much the makers of Sriracha, but, you know, let's say another brand could have come out or started to put together, you know, genetically modified, you know, chili peppers okay, and first... the ability to grow and make like a substitute? Okay, first of all. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Have I gone blasphemy? Yes. First okay. of all, that's blasphemy. Second of all, other brands make sriracha. Like Texas Pete has their own version of sriracha, but it's not the same. Now we're just going to pray <laughs> that it, the crop comes in well. And for all of you out there, dudes, said climate change is real and it's affecting my hot spots bag. <laughs> so keep that in mind. <laughs> And she said that with her entire chest. Yes, I did. <laughs> so moving on to our second story. This is a story that's pretty much dominated social media for the past couple of weeks since we've been on the mic. And you may have heard of the Grimace Shake. And more importantly, it being part of the Grimace Mill. So what it is, is Grimace, which is a character that was launched by McDonald's in 1971, around their marketing efforts to appeal to children. Oddly enough, Grimace used to be an evil character. So he was a villainous character who stole milkshake from customers, and it quickly changed, and so now he's known as Ronald McDonald's best friend. So to celebrate his 52nd birthday, McDonald's came up with this really great idea, so they thought, to create what is known as the Grimace Meal, where basically you get, for a limited time, um, you can order a fry. Um, you can order either McNuggets or a Big Mac. And then it comes with what is known as the Grimace Shake, which is this big purple monstrosity, which I have to say, you and I had a chance to try it. It was really good. We did. Um, and it had supposedly, they were kind of non-distinct about what the flavor was. So it's vanilla with a hint of berry. And basically, you can order that with your meal. Now, you would think that McDonald's was thinking that everyone would celebrate this. But what instead happened is something far more weird. Really? (laughs) So basically, and you did not notice this until I told you. But basically, there is a trend that's happening on TikTok where basically people or filming themselves holding the shake, wishing Grimace a happy birthday before taking a sip of the shake. And then the next thing you see is something that's straight out of a Wes Craven movie where they have people laying on the ground, covered with purple glue, being haunted in some cases by Grimace themselves, convulsing or dead after drinking the shake. I don't know why that just does not make sense to me. But it doesn't. And I I guess I just wasn't able to correlate why that was a thing. And some of these videos have been liked over 1.8 million times. Of course it was because we're a bunch of sick people. (laughs) Now, I love me some horror. Okay. So you would think that this would be right up my alley, right? Food and horror? Why not? (laughs) But oddly, I was kind of thrown by how weird it is. Some of those videos have been. Um, so there's just, you can Google it and there's just tons of them available. <laughs> the, 
there's actually some famous people who got involved on the train as well. But yeah, I can kind of guess that that was kind of the viral <laughs> phenomenon that they were expecting with this Grimace shake. No, that was not what they're in their, their base plan of their rollout. I mean, it's just a random shake, but by the same token, just their reaction to it, at least from what I was shown, makes you think that, yeah, you guys really took that and went left. Emphasis way left. So my question to you is, we all know that the old adage about all publicity is good publicity, but honestly, it's got to be hard to sell a shake knowing that people are using it to pretend like it kills them. I don't know why. That just doesn't say buy it to me. <laughs> Although, and we'll talk about that in a moment, people are jumping to try to be the next person to go viral with it on TikTok, and it's driving the McDonald's employees crazy. I could see that. But by the same turn, can we just be happy and take this shake? Because if for no other reason... At least you know right now that the McDonald's shake machines work. Yes! 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 We could come together as a people and celebrate. <laughs> we were joking about that when they first announced the shake. Because I have a theory. I have a theory that it's not that the machines don't work. It's just that it's a pain in the ass to make the shake. And they only can will make the shake, the employees, if they're forced to, if there's a promotion. Because I have never had a problem getting um, a shamrock shake when March comes around. But every other day of the year, outside of that, outside of March and St. Patrick's Day, I have never been able to go to McDonald's where the shake machine works. And, no. the, and the same thing has happened with with the Grimace shake. Like, I went to the place, and you know where I went, where the shake machine no longer doesn't work. But they're rather animated in telling you that the shake machine don't work. Like, it's like the wiener circle of McDonald's, where basically, not only will they tell you the shake machine will not work, but basically make fun of you for thinking that it did. Tim like, you think you actually were going to come here and ask for a milkshake? Why are you wasting our time doing that? Girl, you know that machine don't work. Yeah, why were you, like... You're, you're going to take you're... this Coke Zero. <laughs> Like, you're going to catch this Diet Coke. Keep walking. <laughs> exactly. you, want, you want, like, some old drab coffee? <laughs> we'll give you some cold coffee. <laughs> yes. You know that. Like, they'll give you the stink eye when you order. But oddly enough, when the Grimace Shake came out, the shake machine worked. Yeah, it's like magic. Like, they actually had people that actually knew how to fix the machine. Or they just got off of their, t their duffs and decided, hey. I guess, you know, if we're going to promote this thing, we're going to promote it to the ends and we're going to make sure the machine works because, you know, to put that berry in that shake takes like, I don't know, tactical knowledge. So thus, we got to make sure our machines, all of our machines nationwide work today. Well, you want to know something weird? What's that? Um, I'm looking at a story and as of seven hours ago when this story went live, the hashtag Grimace Shake has racked up a staggering 142 million views on the platform. Just on TikTok alone. This, once again, goes back to George Wallace's thought of 
There are a whole bunch of sick people out there. <laughs> so McDonald's tried to get ahead of this because obviously selling the shake and having it go viral only for it to go viral because people implied that the shake are poisoning them may not be the best marketing strategy. <laughs> no, you are correct. I don't know. So what they did is Grimace throughout this season has been doing a social media takeover. And so he's tried to imply basically that they're ending the shake early, basically. So hopefully that means that they will maybe temper the social media (laughs) bandit that is out of the bag and they can't get it back now. So he basically, and just as a side note, Grimace is like 52 years old, but apparently he speaks like a 12, uh, like a two-year-old. So his response to it is, you make me feel so special. Thank you, T.Y. Say goodbye, Grimace, now. Sounds like Leon Spinks. Yes. Grimace is not so bright. But that's okay. Would you think that he would be able to pick up? I mean, dude, he's 52 years old. You think he'd have a better control of the language by now? Well, I wasn't exactly going to ask him to speak Mandarin Chinese. (laughs) Yes, but you would think that that's... Oh, and he also, on the two days into the trend... He said, me pretending that I don't see the Grimace shake trend. So that was them acknowledging that, yes, we understand that you're implying that our shit is poisoning you. (laughs) We see it. Once again, six people won. And the fact that they're pulling back on the the advertisements and or they could stop the promotion early further lets me know that you're sick people. Because if for no other reason, the shake machines work. (laughs) Now, the people who I feel sorry for are the employees, because now there is actually a backlash that's going on. So some McDonald's employees have actually filmed themselves as people are rushing to McDonald's to order the Grimace shake. So, yes, they're selling the shakes, but (laughs) people are ordering shakes in some cases, five and six and ten shakes at a time so that they can film themselves, pour it over themselves, set up gruesome horror scenes and they have to pick them and so they're clearly frustrated in some cases just sighing and complaining on camera and understandably so because (laughs) this is just gone beyond the pale no we're we're well past the pale we're we're at the point where it's like that's one waste of money with two why so like it so are you mad that they're just wasting the the shake or that it happened at all all the above <laughs> the whole thing is silly. you're being a curmudgeon old man who can't understand tiktok is that is that it yes <laughs> any other questions let's just simplify everything that is the case you're so cute <laughs> i'm just like i'm so happy. for for our younger listeners out there just know he's doing his old man shaking his fists and get out the yard <laughs> And leave the shakes. They're expensive. <laughs> I'm just like, I just want, hey, I'm just a man who wants to shake. You know, chocolate, vanilla, sometimes strawberry. Hey, if Grimace gives me a good shake, and the fact the machines work, 
because it's summer. You you want something solid, but you know this doesn't mean that the shake machines are going to work when they pull the shake. Just so you know, they will go back to being the jinky ass machines where they will give us the stink eye if we request them. But can we enjoy those fifteen <laughs> minutes? Even if I'm on minute fourteen, minute and fourteen, well, I'm at the fourteen minute fifty nine second mark. I at least want this this moment in Nirvana. Also, did we talk about the what? Grimace really was. You know, I was going to get to that because as someone who's old enough to remember um, the McDonald Land characters, including the introduction of Birdie the Early Bird. Here's you, Birdie. But (laughs) I, for one, am just excited that they decided to bring this back because there's a whole generation that doesn't know the relationship with the characters. But as you implied, that does leave a very good question. Because they never quite explained what the fuck Grimace was. Sorry to cuss, but yeah. What the hell is Grimace? <laughs> I always thought, okay, first of all, as a child, what did you think Grimace was? Because I always thought Grimace was great as a little kid. Okay, even though one does not equal two, and my illusion kind of is colored by the fact that I, didn't, I never saw the second one until it actually came out years upon years later. I honestly thought Grimace was the pre predecessor to Barney. I thought it was actually a purple dinosaur. Really? I did. I had a friend who one time we got into an argument, I'll never forget this, where he thought the Grimace was like a gumdrop, given his shape. I could see that. Yeah. And I was, again, sure that he was a gumdrop. Well, McDonald's, also realizes that we have been kind of wondering for generations, what exactly is Grimace? And according to an interview with the CBC um, out of Canada, uh, McDonald's manager Brian Gates of Windsor has verified that Grimace is, in fact, an enormous taste bud. An enormous taste bud. He is a walking, talking taste bud. The my man up in Canada, do you have a little bit too much Tim Hortons <laughs> when he made that statement? <laughs> or when, was McDonald's just like off the rocker when they came up with that concept? A taste bud. A taste bud. A taste bud. Yes. Of all the things that I'm looking at in McDonald's, which look like either people or animals, a taste bud. A taste bud. That just organically does not look appetizing <laughs> to me. That just shaped this whole thing to pieces. One, it's a taste bud? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, the, okay, I'm always strong by the fact, you know, when you look at, um, with the exception of maybe like, I don't know, Wendy's. If you look at like the characters that have come from like Burger King, McDonald's, I don't know, Jack in the Box. Right. They all, if you really look at it from a, a child's point of view, can be kind of scary. Yes. Looking. You don't want just some random, like, you know, six foot, you know, dude with big clown shoes on and like jacked up makeup. That is true. I always wondered why the hell did they stick to the clown thing? Because so many people are scared of clowns. Yeah. You have a, like, you have a hamburglar. I mean, you have a bird who basically is like, Whoa. then you have the Burger King. No, 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 no. He's Mary Cheese. Well, I was jumping around, but yeah, there's also Mary McCheese. I mean, you can't just go to the Burger King without talking about the fact that there is literally a creature in McDonald's Land 
that has a big ass burger for a head. Yeah. And I don't know, does Miriam and Cheese actually have a mouth? You know, I'm not sure. So, yeah, we're just going to say they're all scary characters. Well, in case you're wondering, and I'll put this link in our show notes, Insider recently did an article where they talked about the long and weird history of Grimace. So before we jump to our last story, let's just dive into this, because, again, some of these are very, very strange. So Grimace, as I said before, used to be an evil, nasty villain. But he didn't look like the blob that he was today. Believe it or not, the original Grimace um, had him where he was a blob where he had four arms. (laughs) So he was a monster with four arms that stole people's milkshakes. So you're saying Grimace was originally a thief. Well, yeah, he stole milkshakes, particularly. So I guess McDonald Land was just basically Arkham from Gotham City. I guess so. <laughs> and he also had these real weird teeth that was kind of creepy looking. But yeah, he was originally a four-armed monster that actually stole milkshakes, specifically. Now, apparently, he um, has a driver's license. And he has a well-documented childhood, according to this article in Insider, where his teenage years, he hung out with Birdie the Early Bird, and he rocked a mullet and had braces. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by the the (laughs) fact that Grimace has more of a backstory than I do. Grimace actually comes from a place called Grimace Island, (laughs) where there is a Grimace tribe of various purple shades. The island it was inspired by an Australian outback or grassland with wild vegetation and all the grimaces there wore grass skirts and beaded necklaces. So it's like Jurassic Park. Pretty much. And he also has family members, including Uncle, Uncle O'Grimacy, which is a green grimace who is responsible for bringing shamrock shakes to McDonald's for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> so his uncle is Irish. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and green. And green. Now, of course he is. It's actually pretty interesting to say that not only does Grimace have his own birthday meal, he also has a Game Boy Color video game that was also released at the same time. So if you happen to have one of the old Game Boys, you can rock out with Grimace. Which is cute. (laughs) I'm still stuck on the fact that Grimace has this little funky looking history. I'm thinking to myself, one... So he has an Irish uncle. Yes, Uncle O'Grimacy. How come he ain't got no African uncle? You know, I'm not really sure about that. Like, at least have a Wakandan uncle or something. <laughs> I don't think Grimace would go well in Wakanda. I don't know, the South African uncle? I don't, I, I'm trying, <laughs> one, but two, appeal to everybody. But two, I'm still thrown in the fact that they, they named a taste bud as a thing whose name is, of all things, Grimace, like grimacing in pain, which further lets me know that this whole concept is weird. Apparently, kids back then were attracted to Scaly. Oh, yeah, back in the day, not only did he have four arms, but he was Scaly. Thus thinking that he was kind of like a dinosaur. (laughs) You might be onto something. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm still shook. This is weird. Okay, clearly I, I can were, I tell that you are not feeling the Grimace story. 
Yeah, I'm thinking like way back back in '71, were they like taking shrooms or something? You know, the '70s were quite funky. I mean, they had disco, baby. Everyone was probably doing it back then. That made sense, dude. Back in the '70s, they convinced millions of people to buy a pet rock. So Grimace is not the strangest thing that came out of that era. They bought a rock. They did. <laughs> Y'all could have said Grimace could have been a purple rock, and it would have made more sense. <laughs> Not really sure about that, but we're going to move on to our last story. Do you need a moment, though, before we do? You've seen, like, you're, you're, you're hurt. You're, you're in your feelings. Yeah, I'm going to take a breath on this. <laughs> well, I tell you what, while you're doing that, let me introduce you to the latest collaboration in our third story, produced by none other than 7-Eleven. Now, 7-Eleven, if those of you who live in an area that don't have a 7-Eleven, one, I'm really sorry for you. And it's like the ultimate convenience store, which is known for, if you are in Chicago, it's a place to go. But wait, in Chicago, what did the 7-Elevens used to be? Remember, they used to have a different name. I don't. Okay. I know I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 50, but I could not tell you. Well, why are you thinking about that? Was it AM, PM? No, it wasn't AMPM. Okay. Uh, okay. I always remember 7-Eleven. But anyway, 7-Elevens are a thing. They're kind of like, you know, the place to go in the middle of the night if you need coffee or Twizzlers or their world-famous frozen slush drink, which are known as Slurpees. So if you haven't noticed, if you're by 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven recently redesigned the Slurpee cups. And so now in the commercials, you'll see them. They're really bright neon colors, and they have bold, slurpy, and out look black logos. And so to celebrate this, they have decided to drop a new streetwear collection and jewelry collection with a designer by the name of King Ice. So it's a capsule of four collectible pieces featuring, according to Food & Wine, blinged out slurpy cups as necklaces keychains, or Carl rings. Plus, the OG 7-Eleven logo itself is a pendant. Everything is plated in 14 karat gold, plus white gold S on the cups, and studded with diamond simulate stones. And the prices for this range anywhere between $100 and $120, which you can find at 7collection.com. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What the what? <laughs> so, yes, you can pre-order your very own 7-Eleven and King Ice dripped um, jewelry collection. <clears throat> now, I got to say, <laughs> the most expensive on the list is the Slurpee car weight and the 7-Eleven pendant. And I, of course, will again put a link to that in the show notes. The 7-Eleven pendant is the old-fashioned seven, the number seven with the word 11 across it. And it looks like it'll be right at home in any 90s-style rap video. Gotcha. <laughs> the car chain, the car weight, and the keychain, they all have the Slurpee cup themselves, which is blinged out. Okay. Am I allowed to, you know, show my ignorance and ask to the people out there, can someone please tell me exactly what exactly a car weight would be? Because I'm I'm seeing pictures, but I can't exactly tell you what that is. 
But at the same time, I mean, I'm sure it looks cool, but I don't know exactly where to place it. Obviously in the car. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. But by the same time, I, I, I don't know. But well, yeah, it's, it's, it looks like an interesting, I don't know, looks like some two chains would do. Actually, it's funny that you say that because um, the King Ice brand is actually well known with hip hop and street world artists um, throughout the country. So just in case you're wondering, they've existed since 2007 and for over a decade, they have been considered the leading industry tastemaker, according to them, and creating wearable art that bridges the gap between artists, culture, and people. So, first of all, would you wear? And let me just say, as a side note, I'm actually sad that they've not made the 7-Eleven cup itself a pendant. I would wear the pendant of the 7-Eleven cup. Because I just think it's cute as fuck. These would also make really cute earrings too. Just saying. But looking at this, <laughs> Big Daddy, if I was to get you the Seven Eleven pendant for your unbirthday, how special would you be, Bill? Oh, I feel pretty smooth. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I want to like dropping like you know major dime on it, but. That would be cool. How come they, I mean, I am i don't know, maybe they already have one in this collection, but could they just make a big slurpy pimp cup? Ooh, that sounds like it would be awesome, actually. Yeah, I just need <laughs> one big condensed, like, looking huge goblet, like, that's all, like, rhinestoned and crescendoed out with diamonds <laughs> and whatnot. And then, like, it's, like, you know, it has, like, a thermos, like, inside where you can hold a slurpy. And I mean, not just like a regular, like, you know, you know how you have like a really big, big gulp size looking Serpy? Right. I need the big, big, like jumbo gulp, like a huge pimp cup where I could just sit there and survey my kingdom, <laughs> you know, and all, you know, the young ladies who bring me my slipper change. Okay. We're going to have to talk about the young lady bringing you change, but. Sadly, they have not created that yet, so that might be an area of opportunity for our listeners. That's right. Market that. <laughs> Put but that together. Make it a thing. If you are so inclined, amongst the gear that you can get from Slurpee is that if you go to this 7collection.com, they have a section that's dedicated to the all things Slurpee, and you can get amongst it a cherry Slurpee bomber jacket. For a hundred dollars, a Slurpee pull float for sixty five dollars. You can get a Slurpee tube float for two twenty dollars, a custom Slurpee plush toy for twenty five dollars. Big Daddy, our dog is looking at the Slurp plush toy. I think he wants that. <laughs> and a fuzzy Slurpee bucket hat that is sold out in black and pink. But you can get the green one for twenty five bucks. Okay. So I I don't know. I, I I personally think now I know we're trying to subtract and not add for a number of reasons um, that we'll talk about later um, in the show. But yeah, I would probably. I'll be honest. I kind of want the bomber jacket. The bomber jacket looks pretty dope. Yeah, the bomber jacket looks that. 
Feels like enticing. Yeah, it's like a big um, cherry bomber jacket. It has a couple of cherries on the front, and on the back, it has the iconic logo for old logo for Slurpee. It almost looks like a an updated starter jacket. Yeah. Yeah, I could deal with that. <clears throat> so, if you want to get it, like I said, we will put a link in the show notes. You can get your life and wear it out. Looks like they have something for every collection. So, yeah, it's, let's celebrate the reinvention of the Slurpee. And just know that you can look delicious while rocking the gear. <laughs> you know what they can also come out with? What's that? Okay, I know that this is like cross-marketing, but they can come out with Grimace Slurpee. Okay, let's not encourage that. Cause can you imagine the TikTok videos that don't come out of that? Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to encourage that. Gotcha. <laughs> so I tell you what, let's take a break. And then we will come back with the best thing we ate this week to round out the show. You're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast, and we will be right back. Hey guys, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we're the co hosts with the Gourmet Goober podcast with a very important question Are you a little gourmet or a lot of wretched? <laughs> or maybe you consider yourself gumbo worthy. Hey, if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then you need to tell the world with your very own Goober swag. From mugs and aprons to t shirts and sweatshirts, it's the perfect way to show your love for the Gourmet Goober podcast. And, you know, help us keep the lights on in the process. <laughs> so if you are a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet, head on over to gooperswag.com. That's gooperswag.com. And get your very own Goober gear today. Tell them Big Daddy sent you. That's right. Tell them. Hey, everyone. We're back. This is JJ. And we are back with the last segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast, where we describe the best thing we ate this week. As always, we encourage you to be a part of the show. So if there's a restaurant, a recipe, a dessert, a snack, pretty much anything you have that is freaking fabulous and you want to share it, drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. Again, that is thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And maybe we will feature you on the show. So, Big Daddy, as always, we start with you. What is the best thing that you had this week since you started? Or or last time we've been on the mic, rather. (laughs) Sorry about that. Understood. The best thing I had this week was, of all things, chicken. (laughs) Okay. But not just regular chicken. (laughs) Not just grilled chicken. Mm Mm-hmm. Not fried, but it was a delectable, you know, dish from a place called Tan... I'm sorry. Was it Tandoori Chicken? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about the um, Tandoori Chicken that we ordered from Tandoori Cuisine of India and Sherba? You are correct. Yes, that is the (laughs) one. She made the order. I just ate the chicken. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, it was just one of those random late nights I was working in. The goober decided to bless me with, you know, a cuisine from the cuisine of India. And usually I'm not one to like, you know, offer these things. But so far they've been hitting at a pretty good average. And they made a really nice succulent chicken. 
uh, dish, along with a rice dish. I couldn't remember the name of it. Oh, the rice dish was chicken friyani. Yes. <laughs> so Big Daddy, as he will tell you, that out of the two with us, two of us, I am the person who is totally obsessed with with Indian food, especially curry. In fact, we had to put a moratorium on curry because I went through a period of time that once a week we're eating at least green or red curry, either chicken or tofu or something. Yes, I did sneak tofu in there and you ate it. It was delicious. Oh, man. <laughs> so anyway, I, what was it, a, a week and a half ago? I was like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm tired. I was working on a long project. I have a ton of things to do in my day job. I'm not cooking. So <laughs> you're getting Indian food delivered and hope you like it. <laughs> and I'm shocked because usually, like I said, you're not as enthusiastic as a diet. I think because I usually order like uber spicy food and you're not as big into it spicy as I am. I'm a wuss. But this tandoori chicken that I ordered, it was the regular tandoori chicken. So it wasn't spicy at all, the sauce that came with it. But it was just enough that you just really, really loved it. I did. I liked it because it was mild. Even though it did have a little little kick to it. It's bitty. But for the most part, it was. I love the fact that it was like, it was nicely seasoned. It had nice, flavorful notes. And I, the side dishes that came with it and the sauces were one that were easily palatable for me to accept. And I think it definitely helps the fact that, you know, like when it's usually a time of day when like, you know, like a late evening, you know, when you partake of it, it actually like catches you at like a really good time. And it really went down in my belly and it was actually like, you know, nice and simple and easy for me. I just really like it because. They usually give you incredible portions over there. They do. Um, we each got like a half of that, and it was we at least I had enough for you know lunch the next day. So again, they do give you great portions, plus a lot of great extras like non different things as well to go with it. The sauces were really great. They're definitely one of my favorite chicken biryanis that I've had in a while. And yeah, I was really delighted when they started shipping to us, shipping to us, duh, delivering to us. Because I think we talked about in the show, unfortunately, we live in a space that is Delivery often... Delivery is not a big thing. Right. It's often ignored by some of the major restaurants in the area to where we have to go and pick it up. So that was a nice change of pace because... I was just exhausted by the time the day ended. And I was just like, look, just call me when you're here because I'm not moving. I'm not turning on the stove. I'm not doing any of that stuff tonight. So I'm really glad you like it, though. It was so you really like it. And you should, we should order it again, right? Yeah, I would say so. Some of the best in the county. Yeah, it is really, really great food, I have to say. So I'll put a link to it. It's in Cherville, a, a city called Cherville, Indiana. If you're in the Chicagoland area, which is probably the closest, biggest city, it's about 45 minutes drive, I would say, from like, what, downtown Chicago? Yeah, just a quick, well, I don't want to say quick hop in the jump because of construction. But yeah, just basically you get off the interstate, you go south, way south, 
<laughs> uh, down one road. Yeah, it's just right off the right off to the side. But it's definitely worth it if you have an opportunity to try them. We've tried their other things that they've had over there as well, and I really love it. So yeah, if you get a chance, check it out. Their tiki masala is really excellent. Their garlic chicken is really great. Yeah, I'm really glad you liked it. That that gives me joy because <laughs> I'm one of those people that I could eat it all day long. And then I forget like, oh, you're here too. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> I'm going to tell you exactly how like like the work day goes sometimes when she orders things. Usually it'll be like, I'll never be able to make a decision on something. And then she'll say, okay, I'm just going to do this or that. And it's a little easier for me because like when I'm not paying attention to like other things around, you know, like when you're not, cause I'm working while she's, or when she's finished with her work. So usually she can slide things like on a plate and put them in front of me. And sometimes like, you know, like Mikey, I'll eat it if I don't pay attention to it. And I'll be so pleasantly surprised. And she'll literally look at me some days and be like, he likes it. He really likes it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to ask. Sometimes I'm surprised by it. So, well, good. I'm really glad you liked it. I did. It was the best thing I ate this week. Mine is kind of simple. <laughs> the best thing I ate this week actually came from Dairy Queen. <laughs> okay, that was simple. <laughs> yeah, it was. Da, 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 da. Dairy Queen's new peanut butter puppy chow blizzard. And we actually got that yesterday during what we typically call doggy road trips. That's when we reward our doggy producer Braxton with good behavior by taking him out on errands on a Saturday afternoon. And during these errands, usually we stop at Dunkin' Donuts where I have to say he is quite popular. So I'll go through Dunkin' and they'll have a puff cup prepared already for him. But yesterday we wanted ice cream. So we skipped Dunkin' and we decided to go to Dairy Queen. And that is when I ordered the puppy child. So it was incredibly good and delicious. And, you know, the peanut butter, the light peanut butter. So it wasn't overwhelming. So it was enough that Ely enhanced rather the puppy child mix, also known as Muddy Buddies. Thank you. <laughs> Big Daddy says that because he hates how you use the word puppy chow. Even though he claims he doesn't know what puppy chow is. But you're from the Midwest. Of course you know it. We I went to the same college. All I know is mud buddies. Yes, but in college, that's all they called it was, was puppy chow. You think I pay attention to those knuckleheads? <laughs> <laughs> I made puppy chow for you and told you it was puppy chow. And I probably ignored you and said, all right, this is pretty good money, buddy. <laughs> So anyway, for those of you who do not know what puppy child is, this is a, a regional way of saying Muddy Buddies. Basically, that dessert that's made with Jack's cereal. But it's delicious, and I cannot recommend it enough. And it's fun to eat, so it kind of made me feel like a little kid again, putting my spoon in. Yeah, she did the happy dance, but by the same token, I was sitting here like, oh, yeah, it looks good and whatever, and because of the doggy producer, I ended up like partially wearing this mu this puppy child. No, you didn't wear the puppy child. You wore his ice cream. Okay, that's our it. dog is. He's just a slobbery old man. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Everywhere I go, his slob will follow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, but adorable. 
Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> if you want a great treat, hopefully there's a Dairy Queen near you. And I highly, I highly recommend taking an opportunity for yourself and treating yourself to it because it was delicious. Okay. So with that in mind, we can wrap out the Gourmet Goober for this episode. And Big Daddy, where can they find you online? Once again, you can find me online at, for the second, the Twitter for the moment, at T Outlaw, and on Instagram at T Outlaw, Chelsea Wells. You can find me, JJ Outlaw, on Twitter, at least for now, at JJ Outlaw, on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Hey, if you happen to be on the new Instagram adjacent Twitter um, platform that Meta just started called Threads, you can also find me at Gourmet Goober on Threads. And if you happen to be on the new social media platform Spill, you can find me there on Spill as well as on on Christopher Boozy's platform um, Spotable at JJ Outlaw. So basically, you have no reason whatsoever to not talk to us. We're everywhere. <laughs> well, to talk to her, one, because these, they, these, uh, these little offshoots are everywhere. I'm like, I don't know which one to jump on, so I'll just stay on my little IG. <laughs> and like, you know, that old curmudgeon Facebook slash meta. Oh, we are on Facebook at the Gourmet Goober blog. Or you can actually go to the Gourmet Goober blog at thegourmetgoober.com. So again, many ways to talk to you, and we hope to hear back from you soon. In the meantime, we want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. And for any questions you have about anything on the show, drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. Until next time, this is JJ Outlaw. And T. Outlaw. <laughs> saying happy eating, and we'll see you again. <laughs>